Welcome to the Banner of Truth broadcast. This program is brought to you by the Free Reformed Churches of North America. Your host is Pastor Jack Schumann, pastor of the Emmanuel Free Reformed Church of Abbotsford, British Columbia. And now, here is Pastor Jack Schumann. We are continuing our series of sermons today on Paul's letter to the Philippians. I invite you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 4 as we read the verses 6 and 7. And these verses also form the text for the sermon. Hear the word of God. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. May the Lord bless the reading and the preaching of his holy word to our hearts. Dear friends, many people today suffer from anxiety to one degree or another. For many, the reason for this is simply because they do not know what life will bring. Will it bring happiness or sadness? Will it bring prosperity or adversity? Will it bring riches or poverty, peace or war, health or sickness? We don't know. And that can make some of us feel rather anxious. In fact, some people can become so anxious that they suffer emotionally, mentally, physically, and even spiritually. This is especially the case during this current pandemic. According to a study of the U.S. Centers for Disease Control conducted this past June, about 41% of adults in the United States reported an adverse mental or behavioral health condition, and that's three times higher than reported at the same time last year. The number of those with depression jumped fourfold. Suicidal thoughts are on the rise, too, compared to data from 2018. Approximately twice as many respondents reported serious consideration of suicide in the previous 30 days. So what are people doing to cope? Well, sadly, many are turning to drugs and alcohol. The same study found that about one in every 10 survey respondents also said that they had started or increased their use of alcohol or illicit drugs during the pandemic. The suicide rate has also seen a dramatic increase. Thankfully, however, the Bible presents us with another and a better solution. And what is that solution? Well, Paul tells us here in our text, Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. There the apostle writes, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So the Apostle Paul here provides us with a most effective antidote to anxiety, and it is prayer. And it's to this subject that we turn our attention with the help of the Lord. Our theme is prayer, the believer's antidote to anxiety. We'll consider, first of all, the contrast formed by this antidote. Secondly, the benefit produced 
by this antidote. The words of our text are part of a series of pastoral exhortations beginning in chapter 4, verse 1, and ending in chapter 4, verse 9. In these verses, the Apostle Paul exhorts Yodius and Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. He also exhorts someone identified only as his true companion to help those women and others who labored with him in the gospel. He further exhorts them to rejoice always, to let their gentleness be made known to all men. Following this, we have the words of our text. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Apostle here exhorts the Philippians to be anxious for nothing. Now in the original Greek, the word nothing comes first. It's placed first for the sake of emphasis. And so literally what Paul is writing here is, for nothing be anxious. We could also translate, do not worry about anything, or simply stop worrying. Now that implies that the Philippians were worried about something. Now what was it? What is it that was causing them anxiety and worry? Well, we can't say for sure. The Apostle Paul doesn't tell us explicitly. But there are always things to worry about, aren't there? We worry about our jobs. We worry about our families. We worry about how we're going to provide for our loved ones. We worry about our health. Life is full of worries. And it may be that this is exactly what Paul had in mind. When Paul says, be anxious for nothing, he may not have been referring to anything specific. He may simply have been speaking about our general human experience, which is often, as you and I know, fraught with worry. Having said that, there are some indications in the letter itself that may have caused the Philippians to worry. First of all, they may have been worried about persecution. At the time that Paul was writing this letter, persecution was on the increase. And Paul makes reference to that in chapter 1, verses 27 to 30. There he exhorts the Philippians to stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. It's clear from this that the Philippians were being persecuted for their faith. In fact, Paul himself was in prison in Rome as he wrote this very letter. And as a result, it's possible that they were anxious. What would happen to them and to their children? What would happen to the church in Philippi? Would they all end up in prison like Paul? Or would they have to suffer and perhaps even die for Christ? And what would become of their beloved Paul? Would he be executed? And if so, how could they go on without him? They didn't know the answer to any of these questions, and so it's possible that this may have been the source of their anxiety. Secondly, they may have been worried about the presence of false teachers. In chapter 3, verse 2, the apostle warns the Philippians to beware of dogs, evil workers, and those of the mutilation, a probable reference to the Judaizers. 
Then in chapter 3, verse 18, he reminds them that some who were once leaders in the church have fallen away. They became enemies of the cross of Christ, as he says. Yes, false teachers were making their presence felt in the churches. And false teaching was leading many astray. And that made the Philippians uneasy. How would they be able to combat such false teaching, especially now that the Apostle Paul was in prison? They didn't know. And as a result, this too may have been a source of worry. Thirdly, they may have been worried about internal division. In chapter 4, verse 2, as mentioned already, Paul exhorts Yodius and Syntyche, two leading women in the church at Philippi, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Now, we don't know what it was exactly that caused these two women to be at odds with each other, but it was serious enough to pose a threat to the unity of the church. Otherwise, Paul would not have addressed it publicly. The Philippians may have been worried about this too. What if the rift could not be healed? What consequences would this have in the congregation? But the congregation at Philippi survived this. Again, they didn't know. And as a result, this too may have been a source of worry. Well, over and against all of this, the Apostle Paul writes, be anxious for nothing or stop worrying. It's like he's saying to the Philippians, everything will be okay. Now, in making this statement, the Apostle is merely echoing the words of the Lord Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus had just finished reminding the people that they cannot serve two masters. They cannot serve God and mammon. And then he goes on to exhort them in verse 25, Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? The phrase do not worry is actually one word in the Greek. It is the same word that's used in our text. What Jesus is saying is this. He's saying, don't worry. Don't be unduly anxious about what you will eat or what you will drink or what you will wear. And why not? Well, he gives us the answer in verse 32. He says, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. God's people should not worry about material things because God, their heavenly Father, will take care of them. That's the point that Jesus is making here. To reinforce that truth, he points to the birds of the air and to the grass of the field. And he says, if God feeds the birds of the air and clothes the grass of the field, will he not much more feed and clothe you? The answer, of course, is obvious. Of course he will, because we are of more value than many birds and much grass. And therefore, he says, do not worry. Well, Paul essentially says the same thing here in our text. He urges the Philippians not to worry. Well, rather than worry, what should they do? Paul tells them they should pray. Be anxious for nothing, he says, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, Let your requests be made known to God. Now there's a sharp contrast here, isn't there? Rather than worry, rather than be anxious, the Philippians should pray and make supplication before God. You notice that Paul here distinguishes between prayer and supplication. Though these two words appear to be synonymous, they're not. The word prayer is a general word. Prayer concerns those things that we need all the time. But the word supplication is more specific. 
Supplications concern those things that we need in any given situation. So what Paul is saying is that as believers, we should bring whatever causes us anxiety and worry to the Lord in prayer, both generally and specifically. And if we do that, he says, then the anxiety and the worry that we experience, although it may not completely disappear, will certainly substantially diminish. And why is that? Well, because when we give it over to the Lord, we give it over to the one who knows all things and is able to do all things. One commentator says, the way to become anxious about nothing is to be prayerful about everything. Another commentator writes this, a heart that has unburdened itself cannot remain permanently anxious. The point is, we need to bring everything to the Lord in prayer. The hymn writer put it like this, What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee. Thou wilt find a solace there. We are to bring everything to the Lord in prayer. But simply praying is not enough. Paul says we must pray with thanksgiving. By adding that phrase, Paul is reminding us of something we are often prone to forget. Namely, that when we come to God in prayer, we must not only ask him to do things for us, we must also thank him for the things he has already done for us. In fact, thanksgiving should come even before supplication. Before we ask God for anything, we should thank him for the things he's already given us. Someone once said, a prayer without thanksgiving is like a bird without wings. Such a prayer cannot rise to heaven and can find no acceptance with God. I'm sure you're familiar with the acronym ACTS, A-C-T-S. This handy acronym teaches us what are the basic elements and the priorities in prayer. So the letter A stands for adoration. That tells us that our first priority in prayer is to adore, to praise, and to worship God for who he is and what he has done, and what he continues to do and what he yet promises to do for his people. The letter C stands for confession. So after adoring God, we must confess to him our sins and plead for his forgiveness. The letter T stands for thanksgiving. So after confessing our sins, we should thank God for all that he has done for us. And the letter S stands for supplication. So it's only after adoration, confession, and thanksgiving that we may then lay our petitions before God. 
Well, let me ask you, is that true of your prayers? Is it not true that so often our prayers consist mainly of petitions, things that we want God to do for us? Now, that's certainly permissible. The Lord's Prayer, which is the model prayer, contains no less than six petitions. But when we pray, we must not neglect to thank God for the things he has already done for us. Our prayer should be saturated with thanksgiving. Now, at this point, someone may say, well, why does Paul say this? What does he command us? Why does he command us to make our requests known unto God? Is it not true that God knows what we need even before we ask him? Oh, yes, it is true. Well, why then do we have to pray? Well, the answer is simple, because it's in the way of believing prayer that God is pleased to grant our requests. If we don't pray, we don't have to expect an answer either. James says that in James 4, verse 2. He says, you lust and you do not have, you kill and desire to have and cannot obtain, you fight and war, yet you do not have. Why not? He tells us, because you don't ask. The point is clear. It's in the way of our asking that God is pleased to give us what we need. If we don't ask, we will not receive. Now that doesn't mean that God will answer our prayers right away. Nor does it mean that he will answer our prayers in the way that we want him to answer. No, God remains absolutely sovereign. And he knows what is best for us far better than we know ourselves. But one thing is absolutely certain. God always hears and answers prayer. And therefore we may go to him with all of our needs, all of our concerns, all of our burdens, and lay them before his throne and trust that he will answer them in his own time and in his own way. My friend, do you see that today? What are you anxious about today? Are you anxious about your business and how it will, sur- how it will survive? Are you anxious about your job and whether you will be able to provide for your family and pay all the bills, especially as prices are increasing all the time? Are you anxious about your children and the life that they are leading and the patterns of behavior that they are manifesting? Are you anxious about the state of the church? Are you anxious about the economy or the political situation in our nation? Are you anxious about our health? or the health of a loved one. Oh, pay heed to the words of our text today. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now, perhaps someone says, well, why should we do this? What's the benefit of laying all this before the Lord? That brings us to our second point. Paul says, that when we make our requests known unto God, we will experience great, yes, unfathomable peace. Look at what Paul writes in verse 7. He says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So Paul here speaks of peace. What is peace? Peace is the opposite of anxiety. It is the feeling of being free from anxiety. It is a calm, quiet assurance that even though circumstances may suggest otherwise, everything is going to be okay. Everything is going to work out. One commentator put it like this. He said, peace is the smile of God reflected in the soul of the believer. And this peace becomes ours as we lay our petitions before the Lord. 
And you notice what Paul says about this peace. It's a special kind of peace. It is the peace of God, he says. Now that phrase can be interpreted in one of two ways. It can be interpreted to mean the peace that comes from God, or the peace that has its origin in God. But it can also be interpreted to mean the peace that is produced by God. Now, which of these two interpretations best reflects Paul's meaning is hard to say, because both of these are true, aren't they? But however we interpret this phrase, the point is, this is no ordinary peace. This is not a peace that we conjure up from within ourselves. This is a peace that comes from God, and it is the peace of God. And as such, as Paul writes here, it surpasses all understanding. The idea is, the peace of God is a mysterious peace. As such, it cannot be fully comprehended or explained. It literally surpasses or exceeds our understanding. Now, such a peace is the portion of all those who have learned to give everything over to the Lord in prayer. They will become partakers of the peace of God, a peace that passes all understanding. But that's not all. For when we have such peace, then it will have a beneficial effect. Paul says it will guard our hearts and our minds. Now, as Philippi was a Roman colony, the Philippians were used to the sight of Roman soldiers standing guard. Well, now Paul says, just as the Roman soldiers guard the city from possible attacks, so the peace of God will guard the hearts and minds of believers from fear and anxiety. Now, why does he single out our hearts and our minds here? Well, because the heart and the mind are the twin entrances to the soul. They're like two doors. The mind is the seat of the intellect. With the mind, we think and we analyze information. We process information. The heart is the seat of the will and the emotions. With the heart, we respond to what comes into the mind, either positively or negatively. Now, when the devil wants to attack us, he usually comes into our hearts through the door of the mind or the door of the heart. And the only way to keep him out is to post a guard. And that's what God does. He sends his peace to post a guard, a sentry, at the door of our heart and the door of our mind so that the devil cannot get in and take away our peace and create within us anxiety and worry and fear. And so when we have this peace, anxiety and worry will have lost its power over us And we will continue to enjoy peace and tranquility all the days of our life. Now that's not to say that the believer will never experience anxious moments. He most certainly will. Yes, there will be times that he will fear and worry. But as long as the peace of God has been shed abroad in his heart, he has nothing to fear. For he knows that God will be with him. And he will work all things together for good. And nothing, absolutely nothing will be able to separate him from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. But you notice this is only possible, as Paul says, through Christ Jesus. The peace of God does not come from man. I can't give it to you, nor can anyone else give it to you, nor can you produce it yourself. It comes from Christ, and it's mediated through Christ 
to all those who are united to him by faith. Jesus says as much in John 14, verse 27. Just prior to his betrayal and arrest, Jesus said to his disciples, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. So Jesus here speaks of his peace. This is the peace that he earned for his people as a result of his atoning work on the cross. By dying on the cross, Christ effected peace between God and man. And he now imparts that same peace to all of his children, allowing them to live without fear and anxiety all the days of their life. Oh, dear friends, do you desire that peace for yourself? Then you must be united to Christ by faith. One commentator I read said this. He said, only those who have peace with God. In other words, only those who have been reconciled to God on the basis of the atoning work of Jesus Christ can experience the peace of God. And so let me ask you, are you at peace with God today? That's the key to overcoming anxiety. It's knowing that I have been reconciled to God on the basis of the atoning work of Christ Jesus my Lord. Why? Because the person who is at peace with God will also experience the peace of God. That means he has nothing to fear. He has no reason to be anxious about anything, for he is God's child, and God is his father. And as our father, he will look after us. He will care for us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. In fact, he will work all things together for our good. And with such assurance, I may face the future with certainty, because it is a future which God has prepared for me personally. And what God has prepared is always good, even if I do not see it at the time. And then in the midst of my greatest trials and fears and anxieties, I may rest securely in him. And I may live out of his peace, that peace that passes all human understanding. And I may do so until that day when he comes again in glory. Then there will be no more anxiety, no more fear, no more doubt. Those who are in him will experience perfect peace, a peace that will endure forever and ever. Amen. We always appreciate hearing from our listeners. If you are blessed by or have a comment on the message you've heard today, we'd very much appreciate hearing from you. Our mailing address is Banner of Truth, 3386 Mount Lehman Road, Lehman is spelled L-E-H-M-A-N, Abbotsford, British Columbia, V4X2M9. If you would like to listen to the message you've just heard again, or if you would like more information about our program, including how to contact us and how to listen to other messages on this program, please visit our website at banneroftruthradio.com. That's banneroftruthradio.com. Support for this program is provided by the Free Reformed Churches of North America. For more information about our churches, including where you can find a church nearest you, please visit our denominational website at www.frcna.org. Your financial support for this program is welcome and deeply appreciated. If the Lord has placed in your heart a desire to help us to offset the costs of broadcasting this program on this station, you can send us a check in any amount. Again, 
Our mailing address is 3386 Mount Lehman Road. Lehman is spelled L-E-H-M-A-N in Abbotsford, British Columbia, V4X2M9. Or you can visit the webpage and make a donation right on the webpage. Our webpage, again, is banneroftruthradio.com. Please remember that the Lord would have his people come together to worship him. And for that reason, we urge you not to use this or any other radio program as a substitute for being an active, contributing member of a faithful, Bible-believing church. Thank you for listening, and now until next week, may the Lord be with you all.